So today we'll talk about how to deal with the identity crisis, how to deal with the identity crisis. We have seen, you know, last week and in our previous meetings, and we talked about the statement, I am. We, what we learned was that statement, I am, is not just an ordinary statement. It's a very powerful theological statement. It's a very profound statement. And to the Jews at that time in the New Testament, when you say I am, because I am was referring to the name of God, Yahweh, Adonai. And that statement, I am, they had so much reverence for God that they will not even mention His name. They will not even mention His name. So, when, when God introduced himself to Moses, he introduced himself as I am. I am. And here in the book of John, we see Jesus also introduced himself as I am. And that did not go well with the, with the Jews. Because at this point, Jesus was asserting himself, confirming his divinity, confirming that he is God, is part of the Godhead. It's part of the Godhead. It's part of Yahweh, Adonai, the self-existing one. He's God. He's God. And if you look in the book of John, John recorded seven statements where Jesus was so bold. Jesus was so bold. And he, he mentioned those statements and he said, I am. I am. Something that was never expected. Something that you know, everybody respected that name, I am. But Jesus was bold enough to say, I am. And the seven statements that you find in the book of John, the I am's of Jesus. The first one is, I am the bread of life in John chapter 6, verse 35. That's what we're going to focus on today. The second one, he said, I am the light of the world. John chapter 8, verse 12. And he continued to say, I am the door. That's in John chapter 10, verse 9. And he continued to say, I'm the, uh, he says, I'm the good shepherd in John chapter 10, verse 11 and 14. And in John chapter 11, 25, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. This after the resurrection of Lazarus. And we're going to go back to that. Uh, statement also later and he continued to say I'm the way the truth and the life in John chapter 14 verse 6 Johanna 14 and in John 15 verse 1 and, and 5 he says I'm the true vine I'm the vine now those statements just saying I am that I am it signifies his deity he's beyond he's bigger than he's greater than he is beyond just human being. He is the great I am. And we are going to look at those statements today. Today we will focus on the first I am. Let's look at John chapter 6, verse 35. In John chapter 6, verse 35, that's where we see Jesus talks about himself and he says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. So let's 
let's look at what he, uh, why did he say that? What made him to reach uh, a point where he had to remind them that he is the bread of life? This is a very powerful statement, like I said. Um, Jesus says he is the bread of life. He is the bread of life. John 6.35 says, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Underline, will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Will never be thirsty. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, to us it may not mean that much, but to them, to the listeners at that time, it had a deeper meaning than it will have uh, for us today. Bread was a staple diet uh, for them. And everything was related to bread. And God wanted them to understand about bread and the value it had, uh, you know, for them. In the Bible we find a very small village called Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Bethlehem, uh, that is the, uh, the village or the small town where Jesus was born. Bethlehem. Bethlehem, it simply means the house of bread. The house of bread. So they will even name a town after bread. Because you know, in that area, in Bethlehem, they harvested a lot of wheat. So they had some fields and they planted a lot of wheat. And until they call that area the house of bread. You know, when we pray, when we pray in the book of uh, uh, Matthew chapter, I think chapter 6, we say, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, in the temple, in the temple they had what we call show bread. So bread was, I mean, it played a very important role in their lives. And bread is still the main staple diet for many people around the country. I mean, around the world also. I've traveled uh, extensively. I've been to a number of countries in Africa. I've been to America. I've been to Europe. I've been to the Middle East, South America and other places. And I, I every country that I've been to, I have found that they have bread. That's one thing in common. They may have their own, you know, food and other stuff, but you'll find that bread is always part of the community. Even if you go to, to, to a village, anywhere in the world, you still find bread. So when Jesus talked about him being the bread of life, the bread of life, the community at that time, they understood what he was talking about. You know, fish was their main source of protein. So when Jesus says he is the bread of life, he was indicating that he is the essential part of life. He is the source of life. What he was saying is you cannot live without him. He cannot live without him. And that's why the, the, the devil, when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he told him to turn the stones into bread. Into bread. So, what we see here, uh, to give a short background of what was going on here. These people, they were looking for Jesus. 
They were hunting for Jesus. Why did they hunt for Jesus? Why did they look for Jesus? They were looking for Jesus because a day before, Jesus performed a miracle and he fed the 5,000. You remember in our Bible study uh, last month, we talked about this. He fed the 5,000. And that is in John chapter, John chapter 6. We talked about this miracle uh, a few weeks ago. So this is the only miracle that is found in all the Gospels. Every Gospel has this miracle. The feeding of the crowds. In actual fact, we, we say it's 5,000. Uh, but basically it was more than 5,000 people. Because, you know, the 5,000 was only men. Was only men. And usually men, they have wives, they have children. On average, some have two or three children. So, if you, if you calculate or if you multiply that 5,000 on average by three or even by four, you will find that uh, there were more than 5,000 people, possibly 15 to 20,000. That's how big that crowd was. In actual fact, some scholars believe that this is the largest crowd that Jesus pulled in his ministry. That's a big crowd. Now when these people came and they approached him around the Sea of Galilee, the Bible says he asked Philip to feed them. He said, feed them, give them food, give them something to eat. <laughs> and the disciples did not have enough, you know, to feed the crowds with. But there was a young man who had five loaves and two fish. And Jesus instructed the disciples to sit the crowds. You know, to let them sit in small groups. And later he blessed the food and, and they started to distribute uh, the food. And his disciples gave the food to the crowd and everybody, the Bible says, everybody was satisfied. They were so well fed until there were some leftovers, about 12 baskets of food, 12 baskets full of food. It is not written in the Bible who took those baskets. It is not there in the Bible who took the baskets. But I could imagine, since these guys were the main ushers or the main players or, I don't know, the event uh, coordinators or whatever you can call them, or event staff, <laughs> I would imagine that each one of them might have taken one basket and take it home with them. To show the people at home what Jesus has done. That today we had a great uh, dinner. Uh, we had a fish sandwich dinner, you know, and this is what Jesus did, and they proved to them that Jesus performed this miracle. And at that time, the Bible says the people wanted to make him king. The people wanted to make him king. So when the people wanted to make him king, the Bible says Jesus, he. Uh, he left. He went to hide. He went to hide because he didn't want to be made king. So he left the area and he went up to the mountain. And he stayed there for some time. And the disciples were waiting for him, you know, in the boat. They were wait, waiting so they can leave. They can, uh, you know, move across to the other side of the sea, which is Capernaum. Capernaum was where their head offices were. Actually, in Capernaum, Peter had a beach house there. Uh, in case you get an opportunity to go to Israel, 
you will be able to see where Peter's house was. It was not very far from the synagogue of the Capernaum uh, town or city. Uh, actually, the locals, they call it Capernaum. Capernaum. So as they were in the middle of the sea, a big storm came. And they were all scared. They were all scared. Then Jesus came walking in the water. Walking on the water. Walking on the water. As he was coming, and they were all scared. And he told them something which is very profound that we will continue with even today. He said, fear not, I am. Fear not, I am. Fear not, it is I. It is I. I am He. I am God. Fear not. And the Bible says, suddenly, suddenly they were able to reach uh, the shore. Now, that's where we pick up uh, today's uh, Bible study lesson from. So the next day, the next day, the very same crowd, they started searching for Jesus. They started searching for Jesus. I'm not sure how big that crowd was, but I believe the crowd was much, much bigger than the previous day's crowd. I mean, they were going there for, uh, for to get some free breakfast because they had nice dinner last night. And they were expecting to have a very good breakfast. And I'm sure they invited their friends, they invited their colleagues, they invited their neighbors. You know, they said, this guy, he gives you free food. In his crusades, food is free. There's no registration fee. You just go there and you start making food and you just eat and be full. They said, okay, come, let's go with us. And they went with them and they searched for Jesus. They said, they, they went there and they said, I mean, they, they were looking for Jesus. They said, don't worry, I guarantee you, this guy, he just performs miracles. Let's go. Let's go. So what, did they, what they did, they went to the place where they ate the previous night. And when they went there, they found that he was not there. And his disciples had left. And they knew that the disciples had left. But they thought Jesus was still there. And the Bible says, then they started to also, you know, go to Capernaum. And when they were there, they found Jesus. They found Jesus. So we'll pick up the, uh, we'll pick up the, the story from there. So, John chapter 6, 24, the Bible says, So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boat and went across to Capernaum to look for him. Verse 25, they found him. Oh, I'm sure they were so excited. They found him on the other side of the lake and they asked, Rabbi, when did you come here? When did you get here? We have been looking for you. We are happy that you are here. In verse 26, Jesus replied and said, I tell you the truth now. I want to be honest with you. I have to be honest with you. I'm telling you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. Not because you understood the signs. Remember, John calls miracles signs. He says those are, those are signs. It's not the end. Those are just signs. And he says, you, you are looking for me not because of what I can offer, but you are looking for me because you want food. That's all. That's all that you are looking for. 
You just want food. You just want food. And Jesus says to them, you are looking for me because you want food. Because you want food. So Jesus could tell their, their motives. Jesus could tell their motives. He knew that they were not there because they understood the power of miracles. Not because they understood Jesus. But they were there because of food. And I like verse 27. In verse 27, Jesus continues to say, But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of this approval. Verse 28, and they replied, Oh, we want to perform God's works. We want to do God's works too. What should we do? What should we do? What you see here is Jesus told them that the only thing that God wants you to do is that you believe in me. Those who brought their friends, as, as they hear Jesus talk about that, and they said, but, but yesterday, you know, yesterday he did not talk much. He did not do this. He did not do this. You know, he just went straight and he performed the miracles. He just went straight and he gave us food. Now, now I don't know why he's winding around and talking around. and he, he doesn't go straight to the point. Just go straight to the point, Jesus. Give us the food. It's time for breakfast. I mean, it's almost 12 hours. We haven't eaten. We need breakfast. We need breakfast. And when he started about, uh, to talk about bread, and they said, oh yeah, yeah, now he's... Uh, he, I think when he when starts to talk about bread, he's about to perform that miracle now. I'm sure he will do it shortly. Just wait, he will do it shortly. And in verse 30, the Bible says, they answered, show us a miraculous sign. If you want us to believe in you, what can you do? <laughs> show us a sign. We are here, we need that sign that you're talking about. Show us a sign. Remember yesterday? Yesterday you just did it. You didn't even talk. You just did it. Why don't you do it again today? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. And the scripture says, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they are giving Jesus a clue. That <laughs> the kind of miracle that, that we want, it should be related to bread. Because our, our ancestors, so remember our ancestors, Moses gave them bread. He gave them bread. He gave them manna. He gave them manna. Uh, by the way, manna simply means, what is this? What is this? What is this? That's all that manna means. Because everybody was surprised. They didn't understand what is that. So, they said, give us something. Because our, our ancestors, they, they were given manna. They were given food. They were given bread. Yesterday, you remember yesterday? You performed the same miracle. You gave us bread. And that's why we are here today. So giving Jesus a tip that the miracle that he should perform, you know, it, it, it must be food-like. It must be food-like. Now verse 32, the Bible says, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, but my father did. It's not Moses who gave them the food. It's not Moses who gave them the manna. It's not Moses who gave them the bread. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. He says, 
what Moses was giving them, what God gave them, it was just a symbol. It was sort of a representative. Now God is giving you the real bread today from heaven. Verse 33. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and he gives life to the world. Now verse 34 they quickly say, Sir, give us that bread every day. Oh, we need that bread. Their mind, their thoughts. What about the physical bread? What about the bread that they just ate? And then the verse 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. That's where the statement came from. So he said, instead of pointing you to other bread, I am that bread that we are talking about. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He told them that you seek me not because you love me, not because you understand the signs, but it's because you ate and you were filled. He exposed their motives. He exposed their hearts. He says you are here for the benefits. You are not here for the relationship. God knows my heart. God knows your heart, my brother. God knows your motives, my sister. He knows everything. He knows the, re the, the reason why you do what you do. Jesus says, you are looking for me because you want the bread and food that will satisfy your physical hunger. You just ate yesterday. It's a very good proof. You just ate yesterday, last night. You just ate dinner. Now today you are back, you are hungry again. You are hungry again. There is a greater hunger of the human heart. Your hunger is bigger than just the physical hunger. And that hunger that you have, it does not need bread. It can only be filled by your relationship with me. I mean, last night they just had great fish sandwich. They just ate dinner. And he was proving to them there is a difference between physical hunger and the hunger of the soul. And they wanted to know what he can do for them. What have you done for us? Because that's all that they believe. What is that God can do for me? What is it that my pastor can do for me? What is it that my church can do for me? It's all about me, 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 me. Isn't how most Christians are today? What will I benefit from that church? What will I get from that? It's all about me. It's not about serving God. It's not about loving God. It's not about being committed to God. It's all about what will I benefit. Even when people give, when people give, when people do give the offering, it's all about what will I get out of it. Because somebody promised you if you give, you'll become a millionaire. And some of you have been promised that you'll become a millionaire since 2015, 2016. Even today you haven't seen a single million. You give because somebody promised you that when you give, you become a millionaire. And you believe that lie. And after today, you are not a millionaire. Because it's all about me, 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 me. That's what they are saying. They are saying, what, what is it that you can do for us, Jesus? Do something. Perform a miracle for me. It's all about me. That's a wrong motive. 
That's the wrong motive. They say, Rabbi, it's almost 12 hours now. I mean, it's breakfast time. And Jesus redirected their focus. He redirected their focus to the bigger issue. And the bigger issue is not your physical needs. Your biggest issue is the hunger of the soul. The hunger of the heart. And Jesus is saying, your soul is more important than the physical appetite. Now in John chapter 6 verse 27, he continues to say, but don't be so concerned. Don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life, eternal life, eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of the approval. Jesus talks about life here. You know, there are two words for life. Most of you already know bios. Bios is the physical life, the material life. That's where you get the word biology, the study of life, the study of physical life. But the word that Jesus used here is the word zoe. Z-O-A. Z-O-E. 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 Zoe. Zoe. Zoe, it means a fulfilled life. Zoe, it means life that transcends the physical. Zoe means the eternal life. Eternal does not mean long. Eternal means without time. Without time, outside time. That is what Jesus was talking about. He said, be concerned more about that life. So Jesus used the word Zoe instead of bios. He says, I provide a full eternal life that is greater and more important than physical life. You. You. You have a greater need than just bread. And you're not aware. You have a greater need than just physical need. And you're not aware. The Bible says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be filled. That's Matthew chapter 5 verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus was not referring to physical hunger here. He was referring to the deeper issues and greater longing of human heart. That their heart is something that it longs for. And the problem is most people, most people, this is very important, listen, most people, they try to satisfy the Zoe need with a bio-solution. They try to satisfy their soul with a physical solution. And they try it again and again and again and again. And it does not work. People are trying to drink water from an empty bottle. You have a bottle, it's empty. It's empty. But you want to try to drink from it. There is nothing, it's empty. And that's what we are doing. No wonder they continue to be thirsty and become addicted. You will always stay hungry. You will always stay hungry. They just ate the previous night. And this morning here they are again, hungry again. People tend to involve themselves in risky behaviors to satisfy a human need for basic needs. They, you know, there are four basic needs of all human beings, all, all human beings, all of us. 
The need number one is the need to be loved. Need to be loved. Need to be loved. The second need is the need to be accepted. Need to be accepted. And the third one is identity need. Identity need. And a need for security. And when you run out of solutions, you don't know what to do. And maybe it's because you don't know that you have you have an identity crisis and you try to identify with a certain group. You try to identify with a certain people with the hope that your need will be satisfied. Now, these are not physical needs. Love, acceptance, identity and security. These are not, they are not physical needs. All these are soul needs. Unfortunately, people use physical materials as a solution to meeting these needs. And these needs, my brother, my sister, can only be met by the one who gives Zoe, by the one who gives real life. That's Jesus. Unfortunately, we go to other human beings and expect them to meet those needs. If you are a man, you go to a woman and expect that she will meet the needs. And you get disappointed. If you are a woman, you go to a man and expect him to meet those needs. You get disappointed again and again and again. Because they cannot meet those needs. Only Jesus can meet those needs. You, you give a man, you give a woman a job description that is not his. They are not capable of doing this. They cannot meet your identity crisis need. And you always get disappointed. You always get angry. Because they cannot meet that need. We do everything to get satisfaction. Only to come out empty. When trying to satisfy a Zoe need. With a BIOS need. With a BIOS solution. You will always get, uh, get disappointed. And what happens is. You get deeper and deeper into disappointment. Or you get more and more addicted. With the hope that maybe tomorrow it will work. Maybe tomorrow it will work. Maybe if I drink more, it will work. Maybe if I drink more and add more, it will work. Maybe if I drink every day, it will work. You get deeper and deeper and deeper into addictions. Because you are looking for solutions. You are looking for water from an empty bottle. It just becomes a vicious cycle. That vicious cycle, you know, it brings a temporary solution. It brings a temporary satisfaction. But then you have to keep going back for another fix. Every day, every week, every weekend. And the longing continues to get deeper and deeper. And you end up being addicted. Because there is no physical solution to these needs. You cannot use physical solution to meet the needs of your soul. To meet the need for love, acceptance, identity, and security. Human desires, this is very important. Human desires and appetites are not meant to be satisfied, but to be controlled. Human need Human desires and appetites, they are not meant to be satisfied, but they are meant to be controlled. It is called discipline. And that's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Sex will never meet your need for love, for acceptance, for identity, 
and security. That's why we have to keep going back to that man, to that woman again and again and again, even outside marriage. And the Bible specifies that any sexual relations outside marriage is a sin. No matter who agrees with you, even if the government can condone it, even if your pastor or your leader can say it's okay, the Bible says it's a sin. And you will keep going back and to him or to her again and again and again. Because your need, it's not a physical need, it's a soul need, you will never be satisfied. And sometimes you do it because you want to be accepted. Alcohol will never meet that need. That is why you get addicted to it. Because you try it again, it did not satisfy you yesterday, and you try it again. It didn't satisfy you today, you try it again tomorrow. You keep doing it and again and again and again and again, with the hope that at some point, you'll reach a point where you get satisfied. And, it, and what happens, you end up being addicted to him. You end up addicted to her. You end up addicted to it. Only God can satisfy those needs. People do all these things. Like alcohol, drugs, and all this kind of stuff. Because they want to be loved. They want to be accepted. They want someone or something to identify with. They want to, to identify with a particular group. Your identity is not with another human being. Your identity is not with another being. Your true identity is with your Father. It's with your Creator. Your identity is in Christ. You are a child of God. You are more than a conqueror. You do not have to belong to a particular group. You do not have to belong to someone in order for you to have value. You have value whether you are with someone or you are not with someone. You still have value. Your value is not determined by another person, another human being. Your identity should be with Christ. And this, you know, this real, the reality of the deception that we see. Human beings, they are deceived. They are deceived. People who are honest, they will say, yes, he is right. I tried this. I didn't get the satisfaction that I was expecting. Because unfortunately, none of those things will satisfy your real need. Relationships are okay. But relationships will not replace what God can offer. You have tried all these kind of relationships. And none of them have satisfied you. You still feel like you have, there is a hole in your heart. There is an empty space in your heart. And you try to fit in everything and it does not fit in. It's like when you have, you have a square. And in that square you want to fit in a ball, a round ball. It does not fit in. That's what we are doing. You have to get the correct square and the right size to put in in there. Even if you put a triangle, it will not fit in. Why? Because it is not meant for that. That space, that hole that you are talking about in your heart, only Jesus can satisfy it. Only Jesus can satisfy You know it in your heart. You know that something is missing. You have tried everything. You have tried to accumulate material things. And still you end up empty. You have tried to be famous. And still, you, you know, you have tried to get all the, the Facebook friends as men. Some of them, you don't even know them. So you can have a number of friends on Facebook, but you still feel empty. You, feel sti you still feel like something is missing. Something is wrong here. And Jesus offers a solution to all our needs. These needs can only be met 
by Him. Our identity can only be with Christ. There is a lot of identity crisis in all over the world. Among the young people, among the, the adults, some of them, they don't even know whether they are men or women. They're just confused. Just confusion. They don't know where they belong. It's all because of identity crisis. You try to fit in. You try to fit in. And Jesus told this crowd that was following him, he said, you want me to satisfy the physical body needs. But that's not your problem. Your problem is deeper than that. It's deeper than that. Deeper than that. They have been following Jesus for two years. And they still want to run after miracles. And Jesus says, the Father has given you the real bread. That will satisfy you. And John 6.33, the Bible says, For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to Him, Lord, give us this bread always. I don't know who is crying tonight who is saying, I need that bread. I need that bread that will satisfy my need. That will satisfy my crisis. That will satisfy my identity crisis. But in verse 35, Jesus says, I am that bread. I am that bread. And he says, He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst again. Jesus quenches the thirst of, of our souls. He did the same thing with the Samaritan woman. You remember in John chapter 4. And the disciples, the Bible says the disciples went out to buy food when they were in Samaria. Then a woman came by herself. She came by herself. In other words, she was not accepted in the community. She didn't have a group to identify with. And when she came to the world, she had a conversation with Jesus. But finally Jesus told her the truth. And Jesus says, can, can you go and call your husband? And she says, no, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, yeah, you're right. You have been married and divorced five times. You have been trying to drink water from an empty bottle. And you realize that husband number one could not satisfy your real need. Husband number two could not satisfy your real need. Husband number three could not satisfy your real need. Husband number five cannot even satisfy your real need. And Jesus says, and now you have given up on marriages. You are just living with a man. By the way, even the man that you are living with, it's not even yours. You are not married to that man. Jesus finally told her the truth. That your need, my sister, it's not physical. It's not physical. You try to look for identity from men. Your need is a spiritual need. Your need is a soul need. She realized that Jesus was not an ordinary man. And she went out and she became the greatest evangelist in that area, in town. She went out there, she invited everybody. I'm sure if she wanted to, she, she even invited her, her previous in-laws. All those families said, come and see. Someone who told me everything that I have done. 
And the Bible says many people, they came and they believed. They believed. Because now she got what she really needed. He pointed to her the deep longing and the cry of her heart, the cry of her soul. She had one relationship after another. One sexual encounter after another. And still, she felt empty. And Jesus says, if you drink from me, if you drink from me, you will never thirst again. You will never be hungry again. He says, I am the bread of life. You will never hunger. You will never thirst. Satisfaction and true fulfillment only comes from Christ. Only comes from Him. And in our relationship with Him, we have assurance of life. The Zoe. The Zoe. The eternal life. The life that will never get it from anywhere else. For anyone who accepts Him, the Bible says, shall be called the child of God. We have a new identity. The Bible says, for in Christ, we become a new creation. New identity. You become new in Him. Your true identity, it's only found in Him. You don't have to struggle with your identity anymore. You don't have to feel, to feel like, I don't know where I belong. You belong to Christ. You need Him. You need Him because you have a sin problem. And nothing will satisfy that need. You will continue trying to get satisfaction from another human being. And the human being will continue to disappoint you. There is no sin that will ever satisfy your real identity. Need. You will always feel inadequate. You will always feel a need for belonging. And I'm not talking about material things here. I'm not promising you that, you know, once you accept Christ, you get a big house or a lot of money, nice cars, you become a millionaire. Those things will not satisfy you. I know a lot of people have all those things. And still they are not satisfied. Some they end up taking up, I mean, taking their lives. They end up committing suicide. With all those things lining up. You don't need Jesus to buy a car. You don't have to be a Christian to buy it. Actually, those of you who have bought cars, when you go and buy a car at the bank, they don't even ask you whether you're a Christian or not. It's not one of the questions on that form. Let me say this. You don't need Jesus to buy a car. You don't need Jesus to buy a house. You don't need Jesus to become a millionaire. All of you have neighbors who have bigger cars, bigger houses than yours. And they are not Christians. They don't even go to church. Some of them are atheists. They don't even believe in God. But they have a bigger car than yours. A bigger house than yours. All you need to buy a car. Let me tell you if you have never uh, noticed. All you need to buy a car. You must have good credit. You must have good deposit, proof of employment, and a salary advice. That's all that you need. 
So you don't go to Jesus because you want those material things. If somebody told you when you become a, a Christian, then you'll, you'll be able to get cars and houses and all those things. They're lying to you. They're lying to you. And sometimes, we, 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 let me put it this way. Sometimes we mistake materialism for a gospel. Materialism, what you call prosperity gospel. Materialism, it's not a gospel. You get material things because you work hard, you have money, that's all. It's not because you are a Christian. And that is why you still accumulate all those material things and you still remain not satisfied. Material things will never bring satisfaction to your soul. Only Jesus can satisfy your real soul need. Don't get me wrong. We need those materials to be able to do life. It's okay. But that is not the end. We don't go to Christ because we want to get or want to accumulate material things. You don't go to Christ because you want to become rich. Because if you don't become rich, then you get disappointed and you backslide. We have a lot of Christians who have gone back to the world because they were promised things and they did not get those material things that were promised. Only Jesus can bring meaning to your life. A car cannot bring meaning to your life. A house cannot bring meaning to your life. Money cannot bring meaning to your life. You found meaning in Christ. Do not use physical solutions to try to meet your human needs of love, acceptance, identity and security. Like I said, I'm not saying we should not have good relationship with people or we should not have material things. It's okay to have them, but they should not own us. They should not have us. What I'm saying is, human relations should only supplement what God can do, what God can give. What Jesus has given us. We need human relations. But not as the ultimate relation. Because people will always disappoint you. But there is Christ who will never disappoint you. Maybe you have been searching for material things. Physical things and trying to get identity from them. You try to get your identity from your big house or from your small house or from your car. That's why the day you lose your car, you feel like you have lost your life. You lose your house, you feel like you have lost your life. Because your identity is with the material things. It's with the material things. Material things must not be our ultimate goal in life. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things. Underline the word. Things. 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 Those are additional. Some Christians, they, they change the Bible. They change that verse and say, seek ye first material things and the kingdom of God will follow. Every Sunday, it's all about material things. Every preaching is about material things. Because to them, that is what they identify with. The Bible doesn't say, seek ye first material things, then the kingdom will fall. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the I am. Seek ye first the eternal bread. There is only one who can bring satisfaction to your soul. There is only one who can bring satisfaction now and for eternity. 
There is only one. Only one. Who wants you to find your identity in him. He is willing to say, please identify with me. Please get attached to me. Please identify yourself with me. Identify with me first. I'm a child of God first. Before anything else. I'm a child of God first before I become a husband, before I'm a child, before I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wife. I'm a child of God first before I'm a millionaire. I'm a child of God first before I'm a teacher. I'm a child of God first before I'm a preacher, before I'm a speaker, before I'm a pastor, before whatever, before I'm a, I'm a, I'm a praise leader whatever, or a chorus leader. I'm a child of God first. Your identity, my brother, your identity, my sister, should be with Christ above everything else. Receive Him as the one who came to satisfy the deepest longing of your soul. All this other bread will never satisfy you. You will come back again in the morning and search for that bread. Maybe as I'm speaking right now, you are broken. Because you have been looking for satisfaction from wrong places. From wrong people. From wrong things. You are hurting right now as I'm speaking. You are disappointed as I'm speaking. Because you have been looking for satisfaction from people and from things. And now you realize that all these things have never brought satisfaction for your soul. Jesus says in closure, in John chapter 6, 34, Bible says, they said, give us that bread every day. Give us that bread every day. And what I like about Jesus, verse 35, he says, I am that bread. I am that bread. And whosoever comes to me shall never hunger again. Your identity, your true identity should be with Christ. And that's the only time you'll find satisfaction in this life. Or else, people will continue to disappoint you every day and every year. And you continue to run after men, you run after women, you have a new boyfriend, a new girlfriend every month. And nothing will ever satisfy you. Nothing will ever satisfy you. When you have a million, you want another million. Because we are not satisfied with the first million. You get 10 million, you, get, you want another million. Because you are not satisfied with the 10 million. Nothing will ever satisfy you. You can't use physical, bio to satisfy your real need, which is a soul need for identity. The Zoe, the eternal life. Let's pray.